We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. We are talking boxing and MMA on today's show, so plenty to talk about. We're going to hit up a recap of the Virgil Ortiz fight. We're going to preview the zone coming back, including Eddie Hearn setting up the boxing ring in the back of his crib. Then also, we have plenty of UFC on the slate. They're starting to schedule their fall fights, so we'll touch on that. The return of Habib Nurmagomedov included. And then we'll recap last week's fight night card and preview the Derek Brunson card from this weekend. Whew, that's a lot of combat sports to come later on in the show. But Dre, first and foremost, how are you in Vegas? Are you staying safe? Yeah, nothing's changed. It's doing the same shit. Going to Costco? Coming home. That's it. That's about it. I'm not going anywhere. That's uh, yeah. Costco, the grocery store. I'm not doing anything. What about you? <laughs> nah, the same. I bought uh, me and the wife bikes, so we're gonna pick up biking. So today was my second day going out riding the bike. It was cool. Mine broke today. How the hell did that happen? Um, I was riding down a hill, 
So I bought us like beach cruisers, right? Because the fuck, I'm not Lance Armstrong. I don't need a $1,500 Trek bike. And then, you know, I'm also not 12 years old anymore. I'm not going to get a mongoose with pegs on it with spinning handlebars. So I was like, yo, we just need two little beach cruisers. We go around town. So I'm going down a hill and uh, this bike happens to have back brakes. So none on the front. And I push back to go, you know, just to slow my momentum a little bit. Chain pops. I'm flying down the hill. I'm just like, oh, fuck. So I look at it. My back tire is super wobbly. I don't know how to fix shit. I'm not good with my hands. I barely know how to change a car tire. So I, I don't know do shit with a bike. So I would just take it back. Hmm. Yep, take Fair it enough. back. Cop the money back. Say, fuck it. Um, yeah, man, I'm here for, what, another six weeks without traveling? Maybe, maybe not. We'll talk about that later in the show as well, depending on what happens with Lomachenko and Teofimo on October 3rd and if they can get that finalized. So I'm here for, like, another six to eight weeks without traveling. Figured... It's nice to pick up a hobby, try to get a little more healthy. So I'm going to bike around, see what it does. You know, added cardio can't hurt. And riding a bike is fun. I hate running with a passion. So it's like, fuck it, I'll ride a bike. I have not put this on social media because no one cares. But I'm not eating meat for 30 days, which is tough because I'm a carnivore at heart. Like, I hate vegetables, but uh, I've given up meat for 30 days just because I want a challenge. Like, it's that, it's that stage of quarantine. I see. Yeah, it was just like, yo, I'm bored as fuck. I need something to challenge me. So, see, I did no. that. I did that for one year. I went. Uh, I remember that. Yeah, I went for one year. I didn't eat any meat, and then. Uh, That's when you got super skinny, Dre. Nope, it wasn't. It didn't actually help. No. At all. Because you still eat terribly. You gave up fa- liquor and got super skinny, Dre. No, not that either. No. <laughs> what year was it? You gave up a lot of shit. Yeah, I, no, when my wife got pregnant, I gave up liquor to join her. And then that same year, uh, I gave up meat just to see how it goes. My wife's a veget- pescatarian, so I can only eat fish, but I love meat, so I didn't have meat for a year. But it didn't help because I still eat, like, quesadillas and, like, bean burritos and shit. So none of that helped. <laughs> so I gained all that weight because I was pregnant with my wife and just eating trash. And then I decided one day, I was like, yo... I think it was because of my dad. I was, he, my dad was like, hey, man, you're getting big. And I was like, hey, fuck you. And uh, <laughs> I decided to, uh, my wife had tried it. She tried an, uh, a low-carb diet. And I thought it was stupid because, like, she was telling me what she could and couldn't eat. And I was like, yo, this is so dumb. And I kept mocking her for it. Like, we went walking one day and she had no energy to walk. And I was like, why? I was like, you should eat food. After all that fun I made of her, I decided to give it a try. And that's when all the weight came off. I was under 50 carbs a day for, like, Six months, I dropped 35 pounds. Yeah, it hasn't come back since either. No, nah, it hasn't come back. And it's like, and it becomes a lifestyle change. Like, I still don't, like, occasionally I eat, like, a burger and fries. I still don't eat, like, a lot of bread. Everything I do is, like, super conscientious, low-carb. Like, I don't, like, if I make my daughter french fries because that's, like, the only thing she eats. So I'll eat, like, a couple of her fries. But for the most part, I'm still, it's, like, a lifestyle change. I still drink, but I, I don't drink like, I don't drink any regular sodas or, like, sugary drinks. I'll drink, like, a diet soda with my liquor. Um, and, yeah, candy. I, did, I was off candy for, like, a year, which is was impossible for me. Don't really eat candy. Made a couple of jelly beans. I actually count them. 
It sounds weird, man. <laughs> yeah, you were just rationing out your jelly beans. Yeah, it's like I, I it's become a lifestyle change. But but during the pandemic, I was like, well, fuck, man, I gotta have at least an Oreo cookie or something. So I eat like an Oreo cookie, or like I bought a the my my, my uh, the worst thing is cheesecake. I fucking love cheesecake. <sighs> I was tearing up some cheesecake in Puerto Rico. Oh, That's why I came back. Like I was like, I came back. I probably gained total during quarantine I think I gained nine pounds which isn't great like you're gaining like <laughs> two pounds a month is I'm going the opposite direction um as people who listen to this podcast know me and the Genetti of the street profits both need to lose <laughs> some weight so I was like fuck I'm going in the wrong direction I can't talk about him if I'm you know just getting super chubs McGee myself so I've come back and two or three days since I've dropped five pounds and then just trying to get back to where I was pre-quarantine and then lose weight from there so I was like yeah like it was just all bad so I was like yo I hate cardio I'm not running ever so I was like I'll just buy a bike me and the wife go we'll bike around um see Hartford chill there's plenty of stuff plenty of parks all that stuff around here cool so we'll ride bikes so that's that's the plan I won't eat meat and then I'll see where I am after this, if I'm still looking like Angelo Dawkins, then I gotta switch up the game plan. So I'm telling you, this this low carb thing, it's I've said it before, it is the worst feeling in the world. Cause you have like you can't work out. You can't. And people like you can't like you can't work out. You have no energy. But after the first like two weeks, because you have what they call like the uh the keto flu, because yeah. you just feel terrible. But after that, and your body starts adjusting to it, you, like you still can't work out because you have no carbs, so you have no energy. But the weight just falls off, and you just gotta maintain from there. Like me, I went to like straight whiskeys because whiskeys have like no carbs. <laughs> yeah. Um, and diet sodas occasionally for with my whiskey. But it's like you can't drink like vodkas and and white wines. Like you gotta drink red wine. And you just no can't. Vodka. Like, no, no vodkas made of potatoes has a ton of carbs in it uh no bread it was off of bread completely uh you gotta watch how like how much salad dressing you use but when you do it dog the weight just comes off and then when you notice it because you don't you won't notice it it had to be somebody else be like yo and then you're like oh okay like this shit is yeah. crazy yeah yeah i just can't get chums you know chums mcgee over here like i gotta stay decent looking for the wife i'm only 32 like i can't be washed at 32 so by the time I'm 33, like I'm trying to get back into like normal shape. If I hit like 220 again in the next year, I'll be good. Cause that was like my college football playing weight. At 220, I feel I feel great. Right now, I feel like heavyweight version of DC. Wow. Yeah, like it's not. It doesn't look that bad. But it doesn't look great. So <laughs> I'm, I'm in that weird middle ground. Um, no, nah, man, we got plenty of stuff like i mentioned to talk about on a show combat sports wise but i want to take a little time kick it off talking about obscure subjects like we usually do to start off the show and one thing that i experienced this past weekend i was like you know what i'm gonna ask the old man for his wise wisdom on this topic and that is dre i know you have so i gotta see how you you maneuvered this have you ever had to check an older family member do you Case mean, in point, I had to. Yeah, give me an example. I, I have to. I, I haven't done it yet. That's probably my problem. 
And we're all family here, so I don't give a fuck. I'll tell people my business. But I have to check my aunt. I only have one uncle, one aunt directly in my family, right? So this is my dad's sister. I have to check her. She, My grandmother in New York was having surgeries. Obviously, I'm busy. I'm quarantined here. I've been here in Connecticut. My dad coaches basketball, but he was stuck in Arizona during quarantine. So my grandma had to have a couple surgeries. I checked on her beforehand. She was good. She was going through these surgeries. She had them back to back to back, two weeks apart, starting in June. My aunt, who lives in California, was like, yo, don't worry. I got it. I'm going to drive out and and help her, spend the time with her. She brought, she brought my nephews or whatever, or I guess those would be my cousins. They're smaller, like 10, 12. She brought them out. They're chilling. They're all in the crib. She said she's helping my grandma out. I was like, all right, playing sound a little weird. I let her rock. Turns out she used the time because she had some boyfriend. She's recently divorced, whatever. Cool, if you want to play a little Stella, got your groove back, cool, yo, that's on you. But she had a boyfriend in New York. She just used the time to come out, use my grandma who was going through surgeries as a de facto babysitter, and then run around with this boy around town. I guess a grown-ass man. I don't fucking know. My aunt's... 15, 16 years old than me. So she run around this man around town. And then um, had the nerve to ask my grandma, and this is the worst shit, because my grandparents, like, they're the best. They'll give me anything. They'll give the older, you know, my dad's, my aunt's, uncles, they give them something maybe. They give me anything I want, so I don't ask very often. But then she had no means, really, of getting back home to California. My grandma still got one surgery, mind you, to go. She's just like, fuck it, I'm out. Um, before doing her duties. And then she asked my grandma, like, yo, I'm not going to buy plane tickets. Can you co-sign a car for me? Holy shit. And my biggest pet peeve in life is asking my grandparents to put their name and their credit down for something. I've had, when I was younger, I've, I saw my parents kind of do this in different iterations, and it bothers me. Especially now that everyone else is 45 plus. Like, I can't be the responsible one at 32. What the fuck is going on here? So, she and my grandma did. She dropped the money down and cosigned. Wow. And then she bounced. And I was just like, yo. She ain't tell nobody nothing besides my grandma. Uh, my dad came back in town, so my grandma's good. My dad's with her for the next month. But still, it's the principle of the matter. And I was just like, fuck, I got to check my aunt. Like... On some real shit. Like, I got to make her cry. I've, I've had these situations maybe two or three times in my life where I looked at myself. I was like, yo, I got to make my parents or aunt, uncle, whatever it may be. I got to make them cry because I got to, like, really tell them about themselves. So I'm trying to figure out, like, yo, I the best way to beast on her, but not really beast on her. I like my aunt. She's just recently divorced in a fucked up place. But I can't give that an excuse. I like my grandmother more than my aunt, if we're being honest on this podcast. So she got to get the business. Like, and I love them both, but I can't fuck with my grandmas. So I was like, hey, let me ask the old man, you ever had to check someone older than you? <sighs> yeah, but not on my side of the family, my wife's side. Because um, really, on my side of the family, it's just me when I was growing up, my grandmother and my dad when he was around, and then later on, my mom. I don't really have, like, aunts and uncles and all that shit. But, I, yes, I've, I've had to uh, check other people, and it's... Uh, it's not 
I would say it's not a great feeling, but my wife has often said, I take, she was like, you enjoyed that a little bit too much. <laughs> so, yes. In, in the moment, I'm assuming, it feels great. Um, No, in the moment, it actually feels bad because I don't like confronting people on some shit like that. Like, what it, you know, but when I'm done, I'm just like, well, shit, bye. Because, again, I am a, uh, I'm not a uh, very kind person when I'm angry. And I'll say a lot of shit, so I don't give. <laughs> I don't a fuck. think I've ever seen angry, angry Dre. You, I left prematurely at the bar, I guess, that one night, where the guy wasn't giving you service. Oh man! And I didn't get to see angry Dre. I, yeah, that was gonna be a problem that night. <laughs> yeah, like damn, why you get to see angry Dre at the bar? Yeah, I got angry. About to start man. flipping furniture and shit. Yeah, it's it's bad. So I mean, you know, I've kicked people out of my house. I've done shit like that, but. Older people. I don't give a fuck. I don't take pride in it. But that that time that I did, uh, yeah, my wife was like, hey, man, you took a lot of pride kicking my mom out. And I was like, oh. Tell her to shut the fuck up. Yeah, like sometimes you just gotta... I've seen a lot of this lately with people having to check people in their own families um, on Facebook. Like, but that's mostly like, oh, you support Trump? Like... You my aunt, and you changed my diapers, but fuck you, right? Like, I've seen a lot of it. Um, I don't know how people come back from that, necessarily. Like, my aunt's situation, like, I, I gotta see her again. I just gotta let her know, like, yo, it's so weird when someone's older than you, and plus she's my aunt, she's a woman. But, like, if it was, like, one of my cousins, like a boy cousin, I'd be like, yo, you know, I gotta fuck you up for this. Like, if we can just throw hands. There's no need to have, have tact. Like, no, like, okay, I just got to punch you in the face when I see you, just off rip, so you don't treat grandma like that, and we good. So I got to figure out a way to, like, make my aunt cry, which I'm I'm very good at that. Like, people crying doesn't affect me at all. Um, the wife hates it, because if we argue and she starts crying, I'm just like, yo, whatever. Like, that shit doesn't bother me. So I have, like, no sympathy for that. So I just got to figure out a way to beast on my aunt. So that's coming. That's what I've been doing today is just racking my brain. Like, yo, when do I want to call her? When do I want to make her cry? So it's quarantine. I got plenty of, <laughs> plenty of time to figure out a good a good way. Um, the, <laughs> the other thing is, in which, I again, I pick your brain. I pick your brain right here, live on the show, is I finally learned, Dre, and this is me getting old. So I do a couple things where I notice, like, yo, I am a getting to be like you were when we started the podcast which then means i'm getting old Mm -hmm. so i finally i'm finally at the point i think where i gotta tell my parents no (laughs) (laughs) it's the real shit like i yo when i say maybe last week they both asked me for something i gave them an inch and they took a mile and i was just sitting back and i was like you know what I think I'm just going to start saying no. I was like, I can't do this shit. Being an adult sucks. Yeah. Being an adult with young parents sucks, by the way. Because yeah. parents then get leeway to fuck up, I guess. But it's just like, yo, like, really? Like, my parents on my back? But I was like, Dre, we talked about this several times on the podcast. I was like, this motherfucker says no all the time. I'm a living no. <laughs> all I, the time. I, dude, everybody knows not to ask me for shit. <laughs> I, I'm like, the just, worst. Just easy, just rolls off the tongue like yeah. quick, fast. It's easy for me. It's easier to be that way because then you never feel like. So when I do say yes, it's special. So until then, it's <laughs> no that all know everything. 
So yes, I say no to everyone, everybody. I, my wife hates it. She was like, "You can be nice. You're so negative," but <laughs> it's kind of who I am, man. And it's it's I need to change in some ways, but in some ways, no, I'm not gonna change. This is who I grew up to be. I was the hater amongst my friends. I was always <laughs> I always tell people no. I don't like to share. I'm an only child. No, I'll do it if you know if I feel like uh if I feel like you deserve it, or if I see, feel like it'll be reciprocated, whatever it is, I'll say yeah. But for the most part, especially when it came to my parents, fuck no. No, <laughs> absolutely not. I've reached that point in life. <laughs> like, I was just like, no, no, no I think I'm going to start saying no. It's like, fuck it. And you know what? By driving forth, I'm going to wrap this all up real quick before we talk hip-hop and get into combat sports. I came to this realization thanks to you two days ago. Whatever. And that is because, again, I reached out. I was like, yo, Dre. Are you going to drop this bet to 3 million pay-per-view buys? Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, it was so easy. <laughs> so easy. And I was just like, he just says no like like it's an art form. Yeah. It just rolls off the tongue. Yes. No hesitation. At all. At all. I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to start saying no. So you inspired me, Dre. Just know that. Good. You inspired me. I'm not losing that bet, hopefully. You're going to lose that bet. I might lose that bet. Don't tell the wife. But <laughs> well, she'll find out when we're at brunch. Yeah, she's like, "What then, the hell again?" She gets the she gets the bank alert. Oh, that that's gonna be a heart attack. Or she'd be like, "Oh, you took me out to brunch. God damn it, stop betting!" And then she finds out I got to take you out to dinner later that day because oh, yeah. I also have that bet to pay off. She'd be like, "Yo, how much money are you spending on Dre?" Just what yeah. one day? That's that's gonna be horrible. I'm already preparing for that. I'm, I'm butter up that morning to buy her shoes and shit. So it's all good. She's going to know the hoodwink is on the way. Uh, hopefully she doesn't listen to this episode. So um, now let's let's dive into hip-hop then because we're kind of far along in the show. You know, no more need for me to pick your brain on family stuff. Hip-hop. Let's see where you stand here. <laughs> genre you know more about than me. No Limit has this show going on. I think it's on BT, right? Yeah, it's on BT. It's on BT. I thought it was, I don't know if they have a BT Plus or something. I can't find this shit. Don't tell me. But they have this show going on about No Limit. People are getting real nostalgic. We were talking about nostalgia last show with verses, and so much of that is built around nostalgia. People are real nostalgia and nostalgic right now on No Limit. Am I misguided by saying one? No Limit in terms of music was kind of whack and two hands down unequivocally mystical is the best rapper in no limit why um, is this a debate on my timeline okay so one i never liked no limit ever oh good so good. never i always thought it was trash uh i like the album covers and i like their movies i got the hookup is a classic have you seen i'm about it though yes also good also ridiculous but yes Love it. Um, so no, when you say that, listen, dude. I'm in. I am a backpacker hip hop here from the West Coast, where I had to listen to like I, my friends had a crew named after the No Limit Soldiers, and I was like, this is so fucking dumb. <laughs> um, they was like, y'all are idiots. Time so, out. Time out. You posted a picture of the day. What was the name of your crew? The Cheesaw Clan. It was from Cheesaw the Clan. Yeah, the, from the movie The Kid with the Golden Arms. Uh, 
I was big into kung fu flicks when I was a kid, and I my uncle used to bring kung fu flicks from New York. A Shaw Brothers flick called The Kid with the Golden Arms. Anybody seen it? It was on Netflix for a hot second. I don't know if it is anymore. And yeah, we called ourselves the Cheesaw Clan. And yo, all of our friends like, what the fuck is wrong with y'all? Like, what is a Cheesaw Clan? But that I was just always that obscure. Like I listened to obscure hip hop. I listened, uh, I watched movies and like we went on a field trip to Magic Mountain with the Kappa League. And I made me and my boy force the bus to watch nothing but Kung Fu flicks. They were so mad because they lost a bet. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. They lost a bet. And they ended up having to watch Kung Fu flicks for five hours. Some of we converted a few people, but that's just how I roll, man. I don't play with this stuff. So, yeah, we were the Cheesaw Clan. But we in my clique in high school was a polo clique, but they had a crew called the No Limit Soldiers. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, this is so lame. <laughs> so the music was always whack to me. Always. Um, mystical in a weird way because before Mystical signed with No Limit, he was a better rapper in my opinion. The only person in No Limit that could truly hold a candle to this, and uh, somebody's sitting there trying wait, waiting for me to say it, is Fiend. Fiend was dope. Fiend. <laughs> I, Fiend. I see people caping for Fiend. Dude. I went and listened to some Fiend. I don't see... He had the slowest flow, maybe, of everyone. You need and to he, find, if you can, find Fiend and Currency's album. Fiend and Currency have a collaborative project together, and it's oh, dope. Like Currency, Currency? Yeah. Oh, shit, okay. Yeah. So, but overall, man, no, man. People are super nostalgic, but I was like, yo, that shit was whack then. It's whack now. It's never going to change for me. But but that's when people talk about, like, all the whack music today. I'm like, well, what were you listening to? You listen to Silk the Shocker. And you talking about Blueface? They both rap off beat. The hell's wrong with you? No, fuck all that. Yeah, no. There's Master P might have been the worst rapper in the crew. No, starting off Silk the Shocker was pretty bad. Ah, there was a point in time where I liked Silk the Shocker. Like like four months, and then I really had to listen to him, and it got real bad. Dude, but he dropped that song with Maya and shit. I was like, oh, this is dope. That's what, that's, yeah. <laughs> he was like a sex symbol for a hot second too. Like all these, all these, uh, all these women were like, "Ooh, so it's a shocker!" And I was like, "What the fuck is wrong with y'all?" Really? Yeah. Like yeah. he did the joint mind. They was like, "Oh, he's cute." I was like, "No." And Master P was a terrible rapper. He was absolutely awful. They all were bad. I don't know, man. Somebody's yeah, gonna get I, mad at me. He was like, "That was my shit." Sorry, the shit sucked. Mystical's best songs were after. Mystical's best songs were before. Before. Yeah. Like early, early mystical when it had a crew called the Boot Camp Click. Not like the Boot Camp Click that we're thinking of, but there was a, anybody who remembers will know what I'm talking about. And he used to have a song. If you had the box back in the day, there was <laughs> that's I used to order that shit. And then he signed with No Limit. I was like, what's going on? Wasn't the same. Damn. Yeah. Now nah, everyone else was Mia X was okay. Mia was all right, but people barely. Man, people like the bar was low. The bar was super low. Still is low for yes. a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't really fuck with me X either. I was just crazy. I because I saw across the timeline that someone was like, "Yo, we need a no limit versus cash money versus." I did that one time just to see what people would say. <laughs> you love saying fire to the yeah, top. I do, and because I don't give a shit about it either. Makes of no them. sense. That's so lopsided, dude. The only way it makes sense is if cash money is not allowed to play anything after 1999. Exactly. Exactly. If they can play, if they play anything, but st- they still win. But they still win, yeah. Because you get four hundred degrees, you get uh, what block is hot. The you hot get a boys lot albums, of shit in yeah. there. Hot boys out, like come on. 
No, they blow them out. But I just wanted to stir the pot because everybody swore by Beats by the Pound at one point. And I was like, word? People loved them. But look, man, I, again, I was that dude in, in high school and middle school that was arguing all the time with people. I remember I had an argument with one of my friends, rest in peace. And we legit had an argument when we were kids, and we bet each other a million dollars, and obviously he couldn't pay up, <laughs> that he said Bone was always was going to be around longer than Outkast. I was like, no. He swore by it. Bone is better than Outkast. And this literally, this is like Southern Playalistic, and I think Bone was on E99, and I was like, no, they're not. I mean, that's a, that's a wild-ass hot take, but that's a good time to make that wild-ass hot yeah, take. I knew what time it was when he made the bet, but, yeah. I, but I was telling yeah. him, I was like, look, man, because Easy had passed away, and I was like, Easy is gone. So everything that really made Bone great is gone. The, like, the Satan shit is out of here. Like, after that crossover shit, the crossroads shit, I was like, it's, it's over. Trust me, it is over. I think the Art of War album dropped, that shit was whack. And, I, and Outcast was on AT Aliens at the time. And I was like, there's no way. Like, that is gimmick rap at the end of the day. Outcast ain't a gimmick. And I didn't think Outcast was going to be as big as they were. But then I just thought they were better rappers. But I argue about this shit all the time with people. It's just what I do. People argue with me all the time about shit. And the thing that, that, that tickles me is like, trust me, I know more about hip-hop than you do. And when you argue about certain things, like opinions are one thing. But, again, I'm not very biased in how I look at things. Like, I'll say, oh, well, that was a hit. Yeah, no, I'll give that to you. Like, I dislike Cash Money and No Limit. But I'll tell you that the Hot Boys were, they were built to last dislike longer. Dislike Cash Money? Wasn't a fan. Really? That I like the Hot Boys album. album. Was fucking incredible. I, I thought the Juvenile album was cool. But I was more, like, I like BG's Chopper City had, it was a good album. Um, Juvenile's first album was a good album, but I just wasn't like a huge fan like everybody else was. But I always saw, I was like, dog, they're better than No Limit. Like that shit was so disposable. That was disposable music that we're doing today was made by No Limit because they had 52 weeks and dropped 52 releases at least in one calendar year. <laughs> if anybody remembers, dog, there was a spread in like either the Source or Double XL that had all the releases and it was like one of them little checkerboards. And I was like, yo, there's like 70 releases on here. This is ridiculous. Who buys this much music? And now look at it. You can't get a week away from having like 30,000 releases. There's no way you can keep up. But that was no limit. They put out music all the time. It's crazy. Also probably why the quality was pretty shitty. Yes, man. If you don't take any time with that shit, man, come on. Come on. Was uh, You kind of just stomped all over my next question uh, about this. Was that era of... I was going to say Southern rap, but that's not true because Outkast was in it. But was that like bling bling era of Louisiana rap? Is it overrated? No, it wasn't because a lot of people swear by that shit. I don't, but people swear by that era. Because look, man, say what you want. Like I said, I wasn't a huge fan of cash money like that. But like bling bling became a fucking phrase. You know what I'm saying? Like, that ought, like, back that ass up is considered, like, the new national anthem for a lot of people. There's nothing overrated about that. In fact, they needed that. Because just like the West Coast, like, for me, there was Snoop, there was Dre, but then you had Quick, but then you had, like, Too Short. Me, I was, like, a high roll, Souls of Mischief, Razzcast type of guy. But you needed the bullshit, too. You needed the sugar freeze. 
Even though Sugar Free is kind of dope. I was about to say, Sugar Free is super dope. Like you, I still listen to Sugar Free on occasion. Like, you needed a Spice One. You needed the Bloods and the Cribs. You needed Brother Lynch Hung. Like, you needed all that shit to balance it all out. Because if Spice everything is one, one way, it's whack. in your not dope category? Who? Spice One? Spice One, Trigger Gas No Heart, um, America's, whatever it was, America's First Most Wanted, Spice One, Men's Society. It was cool. But I was not, like, I was not, I would not argue about Spice One. Oh, you're going to piss off a lot of West Coast people. I don't get it. Do I look like I care? Like, no, I'm just saying, like, you, I know what it's I so like. hard to be highbrow on West Coast music. Is Man. that a hot take? Like, to me, a lot of West Coast music is kind of off the wall. Like, I, I can't be, that's like me trying to be highbrow about Mac Dre. See, there's so much, like, there's so many levels to West Coast music. Like I said, I was Souls of Mischief, High Road, The Bums, like, the Alcoholics. Oh, man. I swore by the Alcoholics. Like, Mad Lib Production with Tash and J-Ro? Come on, man. I love the licks. But that that was, that was more highbrow. That was more hip-hop. Like, they were always considered traitors because they were like the East Coast. Like, Ras Cash was ahead of his time. Saphir, yeah. Casual. I mean, yeah, the whole Souls of Mischief crew. Like, you go down the list. I mean, damn, man. I go back to the Knots. And, like, there were some bangers. But they didn't really get shine because people thought they were too lyrical, which is crazy. Same with Outkast. Once the Outkast was weirdos when they first yeah. came out because they could rap. That, that was always silly to me. I was like, oh, they're weird because they can, they can actually rap? And they just don't make, like, booty music and shit? Because Dungeon Family gave them a lot of cred. Duh, for me. You couldn't really say shit. Like, when, you, when you're with that and, like... They were the ying to Goody Mob's yang. Yeah. And, and, like, for me, like, I went to Morehouse when, like, 3-6 Mafia, like, like when they tore the club up, whenever they played Tear the Club Up, they really tore the club up. <laughs> like, I, I kid you not. One night, we went to the, like, back when Club 112 was, like, towards the end of its run. We were underage, but we are trying to get into 112. And we couldn't get in. And my boy, who was from Atlanta, was like, yo, let's go to this other spot. Now, mind you, me, my boy Ramon, my boy Chris, uh, Chris was from New York, and my boy uh, Mook, who you've met before, but Mook was from New York as well. We're all East Coast dudes. We didn't know what we was getting into. We ended up at some club, and when we walked in, it, yo, I think they were playing 3-6. They were playing some wild shit, and people were just jumping around. I was like, yo, I don't know if this is for us. And, like, this girl was just, like, she had jumped on a table and she had jumped in my boy's face. And and I was like, yo, I can't believe this shit. And then my boy was, I can't remember this dude's name. He's from Atlanta. He was like, if they play Tear the Club Up, we have to go. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I was like, come on, man. I was like, no, I was like, I'm not getting no mosh pit. He was like, no, 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 no. It's not a mosh pit. Shit gets real. I was like, what? They played Tear the Club Up. We left, right? Because they started flipping over tables and shit. The motherfucking club burnt down. <laughs> Yeah, that was the last night of the club. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> it, it was burnt down. I, I kid you, it was like a little hole in the wall like spot, but they they burnt that motherfucker down that night. That night. <laughs> Dude, that, from that um, point, I was like, "Yo, I know where I need to be." And if I hear that song, it's still, I'm running. I'm out. No thanks. <laughs> Doesn't matter what venue. Nope, don't matter. <laughs> they play ten the club. I'm looking around. I'm like, "Oh my god, somebody's got a gun. Something's gonna happen. So, something's about to go left." Oh man, nah, yeah, that's that shit's wild. So, okay, so they could both be whack, mm-hmm. no limit, and cash money, but the era wasn't overrated. Nah, the era's not overrated. They, there's a lot of shit. Like, dude, 
So is Soldier Boy overrated? I think he's trash, but I understand he what he's there for. Underrated in um, terms of impact, and what I mean, he changed a lot for like whack ass rappers, right? Like you, you gotta realize everyone had Fruity Loops after him. No, everyone has Fruity Loops after Ninth Wonder. Okay. Uh, no, no one could use Fruity Loops like Ninth Wonder. No, that was the so other that's, thing. That's, that's a difference. But, like, you can make a Soldier Boy-style beat with Fruity Loops. Yeah. When Soldier Boy, like, that made it acceptable. It was not only acceptable, no, it, was, it was cost-effective. Like, hip-hop became cost-effective with Soldier Boy. Yeah, you didn't need the, you know, MPC and, like, fucking Casio. You don't need all that. No. Nah. Needed a laptop, lime wire. And you could download Fruity Loops. Jesus. And get busy. I know many people who did just that. Yeah. So, so was yeah. he whack? To me, he was terrible. I thought Soldier Boy was awful. But he had a place. And I understood. Like, I wouldn't listen to that shit. But, I, dude, I've always been an argue. Like, my argument has always been, it's not about eliminating whack music. It's about balancing it with good music. That's it. Like, because if you just eliminate whack music, what I consider whack with the things that I like... That's going to become whack too. And people are going to rebel against that. As long as you have some kind of balance, everything will be fine. But the problem with the music industry is that they never really had balance. Now, you could just like whatever the fuck you like because of SoundCloud and all the other shit. But the labels, they go what's, what's hot. And people rebel against that shit. So there's a place for Soldier Boy. I don't want to get rid of them. Like, I just want some more of what I like. That's it. I can get rid of that whole era, though. <laughs> like, you were talking about it. Like, the Hurricane Chris, which... Justin Ivy, oh, second rap. week shout out, says he can rap. He could. I, I don't fucking know, but get throw out that whole uh, Laffy Taffy. Oh, it's terrible. D4L, uh, don't throw all that shit out. That's the whole I mean. era, yeah. Just there's like a 2005 2007 window that I can go without. I mean, the, duh, there was a lot of bad music. I just I'm not one person that says it shouldn't exist. I will talk about it and tell you how bad it is. But I don't think eliminating is going to do us any good. So, no limit? Yeah, man. That shit wasn't very good. But people swear by it. Cool. If that's what got you Crazy. into music, all right. But don't Nostalgia is a mofo. Yeah, just don't tell me that that was like better than Nas. Okay? <laughs> no, obviously people are saying Juicy J is as good as Nas. Dude. But that's, that's Real quick, and then we can talk about, about this. Yeah. So, you know, I posted that thing. Like, the disrespect for Nas is, like, outrageous or whatever. Yeah. And my boy, Will... Will Zombiak, who runs Taylor Gang, he hit me, and he was like, what are you talking about? I was like, oh, no, Will, we ain't doing this. Will introduced me to Juicy J years ago, and I, we filmed something with Juicy J, and I filmed something with Taylor Gang that never came out. Um, so Will is my boy, and when he hit me, because I was like, you're not going to drag me into this, because you're going to try to convince me that Juicy J is on par with Nas, and that is not happening. <laughs> that is not happening. That's clear bias, Juicy yeah, J. Yeah, I was like, it's your guy. Taylor Gang. Like, yeah, like, Will runs Taylor. Real Zombie runs Taylor Gang. That's yeah. his label. And I'm just, like, he, he hit me, and I was like, nope. <laughs> we ain't doing this, dog. Your bias is going to be ridiculous, and you're going to try to convince me that he can hang with Nas, and I'm not here for that shit at all. Yeah. No, that's ridiculous. No, uh, I'm sure Will's a very nice guy. He's a great. No. I love Will. No. Will's been my homie for a long, long time. <laughs> but if he wants to not be homies, that would be the way to do it. Yeah, no, so uh, <laughs> it's ridiculous takes, and we're just gonna keep getting them, man. The verses are gonna keep coming out. We're going to keep getting crazy hot takes. Someone today said Two Chains was washing. 
Rick Ross next week. So, so I don't think he's going to wash him. I think it can be competitive. No, no, I, listen. But wash? I, yes. Mm. But I don't think 2 Chains is going to wash Ross. No, there's no way. I don't I don't see that. No, I don't, 2 Chains no. has some bangers, but wa- nobody's getting washed in that battle. No. No one's washing Ross. Like, literally, you could probably put Rick Ross against Jay-Z and he'd win five rounds. Yeah. Maybe. That might be fair. That might be fair, yeah, actually, because like, people swear by Rick Ross. Ross got some shit. So, like, he's... And that's the upper echelon. Like, you put Rick Ross against Drake. He could win a couple. Yeah. Like, no one's... Two chains ain't washing him. He can know. stand toe-to-toe with the greats. Like, Absolutely not. No, yeah, it's ridiculous. So, uh, let's hit the break. Come back. We got so much boxing to talk about. And I'm sure people want us to get into combat sports. So, you guys stay tuned. Listen to this quick break. When we come back, promise you, number combat sports the rest of the way. All right, we'll get back to the show in a second. But first, have you heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over a 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. You know, you got to keep the whip fresh, and there's no better time to spend after the pandemic than rolling around showing off a new whip. So here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer on the item. If they don't, then it's yours. So if you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code CORNER or DealDash.FM CORNER. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M backslash corner. All right, just that quick, we are back. And as promised, combat sports for the rest of the show. It's time to talk boxing and wanted to kick it off with something. I, I swear, there's a new controversial list every week. Every week. And it's not just hip-hop. Now it goes into combat sports. Shit gets crazy. Dre, Floyd Mayweather was on IG Live with Fat Joe. All right. I mean, whatever created that pairing, sure. So he was on with Fat Joe, and he decided to give his top five boxers of all time. Off rip, I'm going to just give you the list, then I'll let you touch on it. One, himself. At this point, I thought he was going to go Dylon, 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 Dylon. So, <laughs> I thought he was going to put himself in all five spots. He did not. Cool. Mayweather's one. Then he goes Pernell Whitaker, Sweet P at two. Roberto Duran at three. Aaron Pryor at four. Larry Holmes at five. The floor is yours. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, for one, this is Floyd Mayweather's list. So if this is Floyd Mayweather's favorite fighters, all right, whatever. But if it's Floyd Mayweather's favorite fighters, why the fuck would you include yourself? So that's that's makes things interesting. I mean that because it's Floyd Mayweather. Are, 
Are you saying that you are surprised that he is his favorite fighter? No. But what I'm saying is, like, if you're making a list of the greatest fighters of all time and you include yourself, you're basically saying because of my accomplishments that I should be among the greats. But if it's your favorite fighters, you can't really include yourself as your favorite fighter because you don't really watch yourself fight like that as a fan. So this isn't, for him, it's a greatest list. Because I saw people like, that's his preference. I was like, cool, whatever. But he put himself on top of this list. And if he wants to do that, he calls himself the best ever. Fat Joe kind of teed him up. So, fair. Whatever. Um, Roberto Duran? I'm fine with him putting Duran in top five. Duran's the top ten fighter all time, in my opinion. Man rampaged through weight classes. Probably the hardest puncher ever at lightweight. So, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. That's that's fine. Um, Pranell Whitaker? No. And I love Sweet Pea. He's the best defense. Top five? That's that's a hard get, um, but I, th- I don't know, yo. Now that I'm watching back, he didn't lose to De La Hoya, and he didn't lose to Chavez. Yeah, no. I, look, so what does that give him? No losses, one loss. Look, I think that Purnell was a great defensive fighter, right? Phenomenal defensive fighter. That's why Floyd puts him on the list, and Floyd also sparred with Sweet Pea in '96, before the Olympics. So I get why he's on the list, but. When you're doing a top five list, and here's where it gets hairy, and you're leaving out Sugar Ray Robinson, you're leaving out Muhammad Ali in favor of Larry Holmes? Yeah, that, that it gets ugly. This man. is wild. Like, Larry Holmes arguably has the greatest, him and probably Klitschko, and probably Larry Holmes would win this, had the best jab in, in the heavyweight division ever. But the buck kind of stops there, and people go, well, he beat Ali. Well, Ali was washed up. And Tyson then beat Larry Holmes, and Larry Holmes was washed up. And Larry Holmes is one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. But if you're leaving out Joe Lewis and Muhammad Ali, this is crazy. Like, how? How do you leave out Ali? Ali fought everybody. But I also everybody. know that Floyd Mayweather really values this wins and losses shit, which is kind of weird because Larry Holmes lost. Durant quit against Sugar Ray Leonard. Sugar Ray Leonard's on the list. Um, and I feel like Floyd has like his own little biases in here. Aaron Pryor lost one fight. Phenomenal fighter. The Hawk and Alexis Aguero had a, a ridiculous fights. There's like no Hagler, no Len, like no Hearns, no Henry Armstrong, who was the original man who rampaged through multiple divisions. I but I'm most baffled by the Larry Holmes because if you had, if you find a list of Floyd Mayweather's favorite fighters from several years back, he never mentions Larry Holmes. He was always quick for whatever reason to discredit Muhammad Ali. For whatever reason. But then somebody was like Mike Tyson. I've seen a lot of people say Mike Tyson should be on the top five list. No, he shouldn't. People are calling him the GOAT now. How, dog, how? How do you call Mike Tyson, who was the world champion from 1988 to 1991, and then he lost? Was it 91 or 90? And then he lost to Buster Douglas. And then if you run down, he never beat a Hall of Famer. Evander Holyfield has at least beat Riddick Poe. And he fought Lennox Lewis. Tyson got washed by Lennox Lewis. How the hell is Tyson in the GOAT argument? How? I, that's tough. Revisionist history. That's why. Dude, he, Tyson has had the best the best face turn I've ever seen in sports. It's unbelievable. All that shit is true, but man, let's not be hyperbolic about the man's career. It wasn't like... His reign lasted forever. It was like Roy Jones. When we talk about Roy Jones, and even though he's tarnished his legacy by fighting for way, way too long, 
Roy Jones was the best fighter from the mid '90s to almost the mid 2000s. That's ten years. Yeah. Okay. Even though his career started in '89, Roy like picked up steam in the early '90s. But when in the mid '90s, he was in full swing and was unstoppable, and he remained that way. But even Roy Jones doesn't have a lot of names on his resume. Tyson and Roy Jones kind of fall in the same thing, except I truly believe that Roy Jones could have beat a lot of people, but because he promoted himself, it really worked against him. Like, if he was fighting today in Heyman's stable, he would have fought fucking everybody and probably won. I never oh, saw yeah. anybody as gifted as him. Mike Tyson, when Customato died, yeah, everything changed. But he didn't, like, it's hard to, like, when you look at Tyson and you try to compare him to Ali, Ali left the sport for three years, came back. And still continue to have wars. Tyson has not been the same guy. So in the case of uh, Mayweather putting Holmes on his list, I say, okay, Larry Holmes was, he defended the title 19 against 19 different fighters, which I believe is second most to, to Joe Lewis. That's a tremendous accolade. But who has Larry Holmes beat? Muhammad <sighs> Ali when his own washed up? Okay. That's a good win, I guess, on the resume. Not when he's to beat a Hall of Fame. Dog, when it's a rap, it's a rap. And Muhammad Ali was a rap when he fought Larry Holmes. It was yep. over. And also, it, it's it kind of funny because, like, you put Larry Holmes on the list, but hey, man, why didn't you put Manny Pacquiao on the list? And here's why. I say, why, why didn't you put <laughs> Manny Pacquiao on the list? It makes you look better. Yeah, it makes him look a lot better if you beat another top five all-time guy. Like if you're not putting anybody that you beat in your own top five, which is ridiculous to begin with, you should put a guy who has won championships from 108 all the way to middleweight on the list and then say, but I kicked his ass. That makes you look good. I don't know why Floyd Mayweather, like, but obviously he wasn't thinking like this, but I would put Manny Pacquiao on there before Larry Holmes just to say I beat him. It would be like high-key shade. Yeah, he's great. I mopped his ass up. So I'm the greatest. <laughs> like, that, like, if you put somebody current on there, they can't deny you from putting yourself on the list. But it's Floyd's list, man. I don't know. If it's his favorite fighters that he liked to watch, cool, but it wasn't. He put himself on the all-time list. <sighs> it's Floyd, man. What do you expect? <laughs> Who are your five favorite fighters? Not favorite. Who's your top five of all time? Like, even objectively speaking, who's your top five of all time? Because episode two, I had probably my worst hot take ever. You said Rocky Marciano. Yeah. Again, I I went back and obviously now, and I will say this, um, not having to split my interest as much and having access to the ESPN Classics Library... I've learned more about boxing in nine months at ESPN than I've learned my entire life. (laughs) I I really have. Because, um, especially in social, when I have to do on this day post, and we have this incredible library, I'll get lost and watch five fights of these guys, you know, these classic fighters. So now I've just had more access to these things. And I've seen not clips, not highlights. I've seen full fights. And by the way, Marciano's still really fucking good. But he's not top five. No. So, my list has changed. What is Since your list? episode two of this podcast. <laughs> my list, and this shit is still fluid, so don't crush me. But, from what I've seen, Ray Robinson is number one. 
I had him at number one anyway. I have now procured at least nine fights of Sugar Ray Robinson. In, in full, we have in our library. And then we have some highlight clips, blah, blah, blah. We have a lot of shit. I've got a lot, a lot of assets in the library at my disposal. Ray Robinson is number one. He was untouchable for 90-plus fights. Yeah. He also fought, like, every damn two weeks. But, yes. He did. Unheard of. Like, untouchable at this point. So, that's that's incredible. Ray Robinson, to me, combines offense and defense better than any other fighter I've seen. And we're just going off skills. His transition between offense and defense is crazy. Lomachenko-esque. If you ask me who Lomachenko reminds me of, he reminds me of a smaller Ray Robinson. Not as good, but they have similar skill sets. So, you give me Ray Robinson at one. This is where it gets dicey. I'm going to put Ray Leonard at two. Joe Lewis, three. Roberto Duran, four. Ali, five. Hmm. Ali's prime got robbed from him. You give Ali those four years, I can't say that he's not number two. So, I mean, it's not a bad list. You but st- Joe Lewis was a fucking beast. I've watched so much Joe Lewis. An animal. I think Muhammad Ali kicks Joe Lewis's ass, though. Really? Yes. <sighs> Joe... Joe wasn't big and slow. No, he wasn't. He, Joe, but Ali was Joe wasn't, the fastest yeah, heavyweight like, we had ever seen. Yeah, but I seen Ali lose to Frazier. Joe Lewis didn't have to lo- fight Frazier. That's the difference. No, but but Frazier's no Joe Lewis. As great as Frazier is, he's no Joe Lewis. Now look, Joe combined speed and power. That was fucking nuts. You look at Joe. Granted, what today? He'd be borderline cruiserweight? Yeah, he'd be small. But you look at him, and Joe had the skills of an Andre Ward at one point. Like, Joe Lewis was, I mean, he was small for a heavyweight, obviously, but still he moved even smaller than that. His skill level was crazy. I, in their primes, I, I think he beats Ali. Or they, they're at least going back and forth. I mean, dude, this this is fair. And I'm not really going to... Split hairs with you on this. Um, yeah. Your list isn't bad at all. It's, it's a good list. I have Ray Robinson number one. I have Ali number two. And the reason why I have Ali number two That's fair. is because he beat Sonny Liston when Sonny Liston was thought to be indestructible. And not only did he beat him, he embarrassed him. Embarrassed <laughs> Like, he embarrassed Sonny Liston. There are few fighters on this planet... They have the resume that Muhammad Ali had. Like, he fought. As a heavyweight, too. Like, because we always talk about, like, guys like Deontay Wilde. We had this discussion, like, about him being pound for pound. But the thing about Ali is he just rampaged through generations fighting everybody. Like, when heavyweight boxing was the pinnacle and the peak of everything, Ali was beating their asses. He beat Frazier. Like, he, he took three years off, took one fight, and barely lost to Frazier. His toughest fight... To me, was always Ken Norton. He had a, always had a problem with Ken Norton. Styles make fights. Ken Norton was a fucking problem. But he beat George Foreman, who was, at the time, indestructible. 
So, so it's like, for me, Ali will always sit at number two because of that. Ray Robinson's record of 175-19-6-2 with 109 knockouts. But uh, most of those losses came late in his career. To fight as much as Ray Robinson did through multiple divisions, he has to be number one. Number three, I give to Henry Armstrong. I, found, I had stumbled across some obscure-ass Henry Armstrong videos, and I was like, holy shit, this motherfucker can fight. Anyone in multiple divisions. Uh, after that, I have Roberto Durant. I, man. Robert, that's what tripped me up. Roberto's quick, a tough one because I, I think, I don't think anybody could be Roberto Durant at lightweight. Nobody. I think Roberto Durant beats everybody at lightweight. Well, 280 wasn't the same fighter, but he was still really fucking good. Okay. But he, like, nobody could touch him. He got, he beat, he was the first person to beat Sugar Ray Leonard. Yeah. So, the, and I love Ray Leonard, and it's hard for me to keep him out of the top five because five is either between Joe Lewis or Ray Leonard for me, and then Willie Pep. Um, see, I put Duran there, but then I have to say I think Leonard's better than Duran. See, I have a hard time with that because I don't think, like, I didn't think that Leonard beat Hagler. To this day, I still don't think he did. But he won. I just never saw a force like Roberto Duran at lightweight. It was, it was ridiculous. So a hundred, so like his record was a hundred and three and sixteen with seventy knockouts. And again, all of his losses came crazy late in his career when he's fighting way above his weight class. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you are of the opinion that Duran's, let's say, missteps, his trip ups, came due to him going up in weight. And not due to him getting money and being, I don't want to call him lazy, but I mean, his people say his training took a hit once he started getting those big paychecks. No, it definitely did. I, like, I I agree with that, but I just think, for me, Durant at his peak, and not even just at his peak, like what he did, like handing Ray Leonard his first loss is a big fucking deal. And anybody who knows the story about the No Moss fight, it had a lot to do with Ray being smart, and I'll give him all the credit in the world for this. Ray being smart, turning that around, that fight around fast because he knew Roberto Duran got fat as shit between fights. Yep, that was partying. Spending yeah, money. like he knew what he had to do. And he turned that fight around quick, and I don't know who was in Duran's ear was like, yeah, you should take this fight again. You shouldn't have. That's why he lost. So Ray Leonard, like, there, if there's like a 5A and 5B, like him, Duran, like he lost the third fight. Granted, they were shells. They were absolute shells themselves. I can't put a lot of stock in it. I'm just saying. I can't put a lot of stock in it. So Ray Leonard just falls barely outside of my top five today. Like, he may be five tomorrow. It's very interchangeable at that point between Ray Leonard, Joe Lewis. um, You're you're higher on Willie Pep than I am. I can't can't really take a lot away from Willie Pep. But even then, it's like, you know, Willie Pep, there's Jack Dempsey, and there's obviously Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, I mean Floyd. Floyd is fringe top ten. Yeah, his only problem 15. is when he fought everybody. Pacquiao, on the other hand, we say the same thing about Ray Leonard, though. I know Ray Leonard chose very wisely. He did when he fought people and used the art of retirement oh. 
to do he's so. Such a cheapskate, man. How he did like, Hagler was so dirty. Floyd, oh my god. Floyd did the same. Yeah, like Floyd was like, yo, I'm doing the exact same. If I don't get them at my time, at my price, I will fake retirement and then force the hand. Like he learned that from Ray Leonard. He used that shit to perfection, but people don't really remember that about Ray Leonard. No, like people don't put that on him like they do Floyd. Yeah, like Ray Leonard was a mastermind. And he was like, like if you ever read his book, you'll talk about like he was using cocaine at the time and shit. Like Ray Leonard was he was but he was brilliant. Like when he retired, it was like a half-assed thing for him. Like he was one foot in, one foot out. I was like, I'll just retire. Fuck him. Like that's how Ray Leonard, all the smiles and shit, he was an asshole. An absolute yeah. asshole. And Hagler hated his guts for that shit. Shout out to Usher. Usher played one hell of a Ray Leonard. Yeah, he did. Um, so that's that's always going to be like Ray, Durant, like Pacquiao. I can never put Pacquiao above Floyd because Floyd beat him. But let's just say for shit. Yeah, a lot of people do. I know. A lot of people do. I know. But let's just say for shits and giggles, Manny Pacquiao beat Errol Spence. Not just beat him, embarrassed him. Then what do you do? People would say it's because Errol Spence got in the car accident, and this isn't the best version of Errol Well, Spence. let's just say Errol Spence goes out there and mops up Danny Garcia, which seems like the fight that's going to happen. Yeah. And then Pacquiao gets that fight. Pacquiao closes his career by beating, like, Errol Spence and... Terrence Crawford? Yeah. let's just say he beat him. What if he... Yeah, he unifies and bounces. That's, that's all-time shit. That's where you start going, ooh, fuck. Like... That, it's hard to, 43 years duh, old. It's hard to deny that. Even though Floyd has been so excellent, and even though Floyd did beat Manny, there is going to be that argument that will forever linger that Floyd fought a shell of Manny and not when Manny was killer Manny. And he wasn't killer Manny. And we, we all see that. Yeah. We all see that. Manny fought a, he fought a different style. Like, he didn't stop Jesse Vargas, dude. Manny wasn't the same guy. The only knock that I really have against Manny Pacquiao, as I say it all the time, I never thought he'd beat Juan Manuel Marquez. Yep. That's it. You you come back, though, like, if in this hypothetical situation, Manny beats those two, Floyd has to come out of retirement. <laughs> on, no, on the realistic shit. Like, straight face, Manny beats Errol Spence and then goes against Terrence Crawford and unifies at 43 years old. Floyd Mayweather has to lace up the gloves again. Shit. Because at that point, Manny does pass him. It's crazy. And Floyd can't eat that. It, it's crazy because, again... Floyd closed his career beating Conor McGregor and Andre Berto. Manny Pacquiao just went out there and beat Keith Thurman. Ran rough shot over Adrian Brown, who ain't shit, but is still a younger fighter. He's beating up on younger fighters now. If he were to beat Errol Spence, wow. Another fighter who's just going to might creep into this list, depending on how this shakes out, is Canelo. Yeah, again, like your argument against Manny Pacquiao. I don't think he beat Triple G I, either. Exactly. So it's really it really depends I mean, on how Canelo closes gets, his career. It's rough. Like if Canelo, like let's just say Errol Spence became the monster that a lot of us think he is, and then Errol Spence somehow finds his way to 168 and fights Canelo, and Canelo beats him. If I, I think the one like there's one fighter that's going to be always missing from this list. And I think he's one fighter who could have ended up on this list if he fought at a different time or had the right level of competition is Andre Ward. Correct. That that labor dispute, the contract dispute, what it really hurt. Yeah. That dude could fight. That Kovalev one showed you all you need to know though. Yeah. Again, I thought Kovalev won the first. I did too. But when you run it back and you stop him, 
Okay. Just I'm like, oh, body <laughs> shot, like shit. Yeah, then then I can't say shit. It's not like Canelo coming back and getting another decision that was questionable. Manny got what three decisions in a row? Yeah. The first one I think was a draw. I mean, he dropped him a million times in that fight. Manny dropped um, Marquez a million times. At worst, you give him a draw. I think Manny won the first one. Yeah, I mean after that. Okay, like they started getting more questionable. Yeah, they were always close. The third go, like if anybody goes back and watches that third fight again, everybody thought Marquez won that fight. Yeah, Manny, what Manny did, we'll never see. No, again, your first title being at 112 pounds, and your last one being, or you know, highest level, not your last one, but your highest one being at what 154, we'll never see again. No, it was stupid. Manny Pacquiao's boxing career is stupid. It's inexplicable. People have put stuff on Manny, and, and they they feel they know why this has happened. But even then, anyone could do it if you're saying that. Yeah. I don't know how he did. It's crazy. But regardless, every 112-pound fighter would be able to do it. They can't. Roman Gonzalez was, what, one of the best fighters we've seen this decade? Or the decade of, you know, the 2010s? He moved up two divisions. Too big for his britches and got mollywhopped. Yeah, I mean, shit. His style wasn't sustainable either. That was always going to be the problem with him. I mean, that's Pacquiao style. Shit. Right? Not really. Like, Chocolatito's Manny, always... Manny got hit a lot. Not as much as Chocolatito. Chocolatito <laughs> got... Like, Chocolatito's style was offense as his defense. At least Manny his had His style like, is still very similar. Donaire beat the shit out of him, kind of. But it's like... Manny at least... Dude, it's a testament to Freddie Roach changing a man's entire style. But, uh... Yeah, like like Manny was hard to hit because the punches came from the weirdest fucking angles. Yeah, like he threw punches from his calves, and his calves were built like <laughs> giant cinder blocks. And this man just had carried ridiculous power going up in weight. Again, it's not something you'll ever see again. So, yeah, back to the essence. Floyd Mayweather should have put Manny on his list just to say it could be because it's hard. It's increasingly hard to to leave Manny out of a lot of conversations based on what he's done. Who- Who's the one wild card you throw in your top ten? Like like faves, like maybe the end didn't suffice, or there's something oh, that keeps it's Roy him out. Jones, Who's man. Wild card. It's pick? always gonna be Roy, Roy Jones. Okay, he'll always be my wild card because I think Roy Jones was the greatest athlete we have ever seen in a boxing ring. But we mm. really and he accomplished phenomenal things. But we never got to see Roy against like the best. He beat him early. He beat Bernard Hopkins and James Tony early. He got him out of here. Yeah. No problems. Then he fought Layton and all the other shit happened. And the divisions were whack too. I would love to see Roy Jones fight at middleweight and super middleweight in like this era like a year ago, two years ago, with Ward, Kovalev at light heavyweight, Canelo, Triple G, like Benavidez, young Benavidez. Like, there's this is there's a different good yeah, This is a there. different era. Like if he would have fought in this era of middleweight, super middleweight, light heavyweight. Then Roy could have an argument, but, you know, the people that he beat, bums. Some of them were really bums. He made, yeah, he made a lot of people like nobody, but they were nobodies also. See, mine is Prince and I see him. Ah, man, he got hit way too much. He had it. Still only one loss. Yeah, but he got dog walked after that. Like, Barrera beat the brakes off of him. Yeah, but that was it. He broke his hands, too, like, what, twice in a row? And he was like, yo, I'm out. Yeah. He, He was, like, I'm sure you've seen it, the Kevin Kelly fight. Like, yep. they beat, they just were knocking each other down. It was only a matter of time when I seen 
He had a glass jaw. He couldn't stay on his feet for <laughs> shit. I, when, when he was out, you talk about angles. Oh, man. Whew. And it was lightning quick. You look at that Kelly. Wait, he gets dropped. People think he's in trouble. Well, he drops, what, Kelly first? Yeah. Then he gets dropped. People think he's in trouble. And then he proceeds to drop Kelly twice after that and win. It's always shit that you don't see coming either. So this wild-ass angles. Quick. Quick out of nowhere. Like, that talent. And to only have one loss on his record. Granted, maybe he got his ass whooped in that loss. But he still only has one loss on his record. Yeah, he just knew when to get out of dodge. Like, he saw the writing on the wall. was like, I ain't sticking around here for this shit. I'm out. Yeah, I think the hands were a bigger problem than the glass jaw. He was like, yeah, I can't fight my style anymore with these glass-ass hands. And, by the way, sooner or later, I'll probably have to move up in weight, and I damn sure can't hit them. Yeah. Fun fighting. So, it was fun as hell to watch, but, yeah. Fun, all right. No, I, I agree. Um, Before we go through and just touch on key points to wrap up boxing, one more crazy hypothetical. Out of this crop of current fighters, this generation of fighters, who tops the pound like the greatest of all time list from this crop when it's all said and done oh let's let's remove canelo yeah i was about to say canelo's throw it out because that's an easy question everyone else who's fighting who is the who gets closest to cracking top 10 top 15 probably errol mm. probably. over bud who's been undisputed yeah i still think errol beats bud I think the size difference is kind of significant. Bud will have to prove to me otherwise. My other problem with Bud, and I think I've said this before, so who does Bud really beat? It's no disrespect to Bud. I mean, he was undisputed at 140. He beat everyone. Yeah, but... Everyone who was the champion. But I'm just saying. And, like, Errol has the opportunity to fight everybody at welterweight. Everybody with a name. But he hasn't yet. Oh, I guess we're projecting. Yes, correct. Yeah, so right now, until they fix something, Errol has the best path to being an all-time great. Unless something changes and they figure it out with PBC and Bud's able to fight Danny Garcia, Sean. Because th- these are guys that Errol Spence is either going to fight or has already fought. And he hasn't fought any of them. Yep. Like, who is the biggest name on Terrence Crawford's resume? That's tough. Um, Victor Postal? No. I mean, he was the best champion. I'm just saying, who's the best opponent? Like, that's not the biggest name. Two very different questions. Okay, big. I mean, so, who is the biggest win on Bud Crawford's resume? I would have to say. Hold on, I'm pulling it up right now. Um, because just because I don't want to get it wrong, like I did last week in my ages of WWE, I would say the biggest name is Amir Khan. Yuck. And Khan's record, but where, when he fought. Him was questionable, and then being the first one, I believe, to beat Yuriokis Gamboa, and to not just beat him but knock him out. The Gamboa win was big, but Yuriokis never panned out to be the guy that Lavas thought he'd be. No, but he was the first one to say ending the hype. Well, I mean, the hype was over at that point. Gamboa's hype was pretty much washed up. All right, I, I still say that's his biggest like, win. Personally, I think it's the Postal one was his biggest win. Why? Because Postal was fringe top 10 pound for pound, and Bud made him look terrible. And everybody at the time okay. was like, Postal is his toughest challenge. But even saying all that, Bud, Gamboa, like none of them are Sean Porter. No, no, no. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
Sean would be his toughest fight. Sean's everybody's toughest fight. Everybody. It's like he's just a problem. Everyone's yeah. so it's like the path for for Errol to beat everybody. Like the path to fighting Manny is through PBC. I I don't know where, where Bud's gonna end up. The name that we left out is Lomachenko, but I I think the problem with Lomachenko is he's too old. Already. He's he's not even that. He's just old. He's also small. And a lot of us look at this this Tiafimo fight as a 50-50 fight. But if Loma goes out there and watches Tiafimo, he's back in the conversation. That That's fair. I mean, he's going to have a lot of time to prove that he's that great. Because 135 gets good starting with Tio, not ending with Tio. Yeah, it's, it's so it's there's a lot of other younger guys coming after him. Um, that's where I'm picking my person. My person hasn't even proven it yet. So you go with Errol Spence, who's proven. I'm, I'm taking someone who hasn't even proven it yet. And I think that's Devin Haney. Yeah, it's a long way to go for us to see that. So you give me Haney. Two, Devin Haney and Shakur Stevenson. Yeah. Shakur Stevenson, his stats, his numbers are bonkers. He gets hit half as much as Floyd Mayweather. And we champion Mayweather's defense. I mean, but, you know, Mayweather's fighting Gennaro Hernandez for a title in, like, his first year in the sport. Shakur, I love. That's fair. I love Shakur. Shakur's not even. Shakur, what just hit the eight? Shakur won this title, this main title, two years earlier than Mayweather won his. Yeah, but so he's on track. I think the competition level is as good as Mayweather has when he was working his way up. I, I think if Shakur pushes himself to get to one forty-seven at some point in his career, he can arguably top out everyone who's going outside of Canelo right now. Because I think he beats, let's say he beats Devin Haney. Because those two, whoever wins that fight, to me, would be the topper of it. But let's say Shakur beats Devin Haney when they're both at 147 towards the end, you know, when they're 30. But I think Shakur beats Ryan Garcia, Teofimo Lopez whenever he gets up there, Jose Ramirez. Um, Man, I, I think if he moved up to 147, if Virgil Ortiz can still make that weight, that'd be a good fight. Um, Virgil Ortiz would probably be up at 154 already, though. By then, 154, maybe 160. But there's a lot of young names where I see Shakur Stevenson from, like, giving them fits because of the way he fights. Very Ray Leonard-esque, Mayweather-esque. Like, he has that special quality. So, yeah, I'm going with Shakur. Fuck it. I, I, like I think Shakur, at the end of it, gets to that point. I think Shakur's better than Bud Crawford mm. at this age, at this stage of their careers. I don't know. So, I, know. I can project him to be better than Bud with more talent. Because under the banner, again, you have Teofimo, you, you have these other champions. Navarrete, if he wants to move up, I think he beats the fuck out of Navarrete if, if they fight. He's going to be able to fight Oscar Valdez. He's going to be able to fight Burchelt. He's going to clear out 130 in my mind. Then you get to 135 and you can start getting busy. And whoever's there, I think he maneuvers around. I think he's the guy who, if Teofimo doesn't get it done with a flash knockout now. I think Teofimo has to knock out or really knock down and hurt Lomachenko to win. He's not going to win on the cards. Shakur, I think, might be able to outpoint Lomachenko in two or three years. It's possible. And have the best win on his resume by beating Lomachenko. So you, you look at that, I, I think Shakur is set up best outside of Canelo to be a true legend in the game. Yeah, my, my only issue with those guys is they're so young. And, so young. And like even in 
even though we talk, we speak very highly of Devin Haney and, you know, Ryan Garcia is doing he's doing Tia Fimo. I say this. Javante. Yeah, what I say about all of them. I haven't seen you really get punched in the face yet. I need to see how you react. Because we found out Adrian Broner real quick. Yeah. Bro, Broner looked like them when he That's was That's what there. I'm saying. Like, and then, yeah. you know, you either move up in weight or you're not as disciplined or something happens and you just run into the wrong fighter and you get punched in the mouth real, real hard. Shit changes. So, like, with Shakur, Devin, Ryan, Tiafimo, Tiafimo probably has the uh, – because he, he beat Richard Comey already. So, at least he has that on his resume where I think he's proven more than the other young fighters. And David Benavides, of course. But I haven't seen them get punched in the face. I have. I need to see it. I need to see what happens when Shakur faces somebody who is just as good defensively as he is. Or not even just as good. No one's good as As maybe – as good offensively <laughs> to offset his defense and force Shakur That's to fight. Because we yeah. saw that happen with Floyd. When he fought Castillo and he tore his rotator cuff, he was forced to stay in the pocket and fight. Yep. So I need to see that with that, Shakur. That will be the Virgil Ortiz boots enus of that. Like, it'll take one of those guys to test him like that. Yeah. Because we, we don't, I don't, people just forget about uh, boots. He's filthy. Yeah, they just need to see more. That's that's all it is. Not a people. No one's gonna fight him though. He's caught in limbo. Eh, he'll be all right. Somebody's gonna have to fight him. He's he's going to be too good under the PBC banner to not fight anybody. They can't hide from yeah, him too he, much longer. He's a little young. He is. He'll get his opportunity. I mean, like, yeah, he'll fight a Daddy Garcia, uh, Sean Porter, you know, something like that to try to get his feet wet. These champions, I'm not. I'm not sure. I think Arrow will be long gone, and then what do you have at 147 under PBC? You know, like. Um, it'll be an open road and platform for him to get there, I think. Where does Ford, Virgil Ortiz sit in that oh. grouping of young fighters? Is he the star De La Hoya thinks he is? Because we saw another TKO out of him. I mean, the guy just gets stoppages. He His hands speak for themselves. Where is he in terms of a fighter? He's up there. I think he's up there. I think his personality is coming out a little bit more, but... The poise and the... Oh, I think he's like watching paint dry, but I, I don't hold that against No, I mean, he's getting better. And I'll say this just off experience because I've spent a lot of time... I've spent a pretty good amount of time with Virgil. And he's getting better. And he's, still, he's just turned 22. That kid's got hands like bricks. And it's, it's yep. not just the hands like bricks. It's the, the, the way he places his punches. Like, it's frightening the way he puts his punches together while he's got great poise. I think he's right in that conversation with some of these great fighters. I think him and Boots are the, the future of that division if they can stay. I think Virgil's probably – because if you look at Virgil, he looks like a 54-pounder. He'll, yeah, he'll definitely already. And the, the Vargas fight, I mean, either he was going to end it in real, real bad fashion or they ended it like the way they need to be ended. Because Vargas is yeah. a tough cookie, but he's getting the shit beat out of him. Yeah, he was tough as nails, but yeah, no, he was just taking ass. He was a human punching bag for all. Perfect. Virgil, he's in the Bud Crawford spot right now. He's about to be. He's going to be in a situation where everybody he needs to fight is across the street. There are no welterweights for him to fight at Golden Boy. No. I would argue his best bet would be to go to 154. Yeah, it's it's going to have to happen. If he can go to 154 and clear that out, stop chasing people at 147. Let them figure themselves out. Clear out 154 and then force them to fight you. You get two or three belts at 154, then you can say, you know what? I can cut the weight. Let me try this. Or you say Errol Spence beats Bud Crawford. He's unified. Now I get Errol. You want a belt. I got them all. 
at 154. Let's get busy. I have to figure out something because it's a. Uh, you got to force someone's well, hand. Well, he's got he's got to become a mandatory somewhere, and if I think he runs through 154, I think he beats Charlo if he fought him. It's possible, but I mean, yeah. even at 47, if you become a mandatory for somebody, and in the process, there's good business between top rank and the zone, right? Then you mm-hmm. said then you have an opportunity to in the future pick guys up against each other, like but. PBC hasn't done anything with DAZN, Golden DAZN. Boy at all. So yeah. until they do that, there's not going to be a lot of opportunities. But they're going to have to – at some point, they have to cross the bridge or Virgil Ortiz have to put them in position to be a mandatory where a sanctioned body tries to force that fight. And it's, then it becomes good money as well because people look at it as like, well, you can make money and it's for a title. Like, why aren't you doing this? There's got to be a lot of pressure put on the other uh, champions. Yeah. To make that fight. Virgil will get lowballed in that one. Yeah, but he's gonna have to take it. Like that's. Th- he's gonna have to take that. And yeah. Prove it. Yep. You have to take. Like you're gonna have to get lowballed, and you're gonna have to deal with it because the risk, it the reward far, far outweighs the risk. The risk because if you lose, fuck it, you lose. But at least you had the opportunity. If you hang around just beating up bums all the time, you're never gonna improve. The fans will love you yep. and be like, "Oh, this is great," but at a certain point, they're like, "What the fuck?" They don't care about politics. They want to see the best fight, the best. Exactly, and that's the position Teofimo's in right now. Yep. And, you know, Carpenter came out with a report. Teofimo has not signed the official offer for the fight. Lomachenko seems to be very happy with his $3.5 million plus offer. Um, if it's on pay-per-view, I'm sure that number goes up. If it happens to be on ESPN, maybe they throw him a little more cash because you get ad revenue. Uh, that's up in the air. But I think, you know, by the report, Teofimo turned down $1.2 million. I think Teofimo thinks, you know what, I'm not worth a 66-33 split. Like, you got to give me 60-40, 57-43-something. Yeah. Maybe 2.2 mil. Like, which is crazy to think for a 22-year-old who just won his first major title. UFC veterans are rolling over in the octagon right this now. Is, this is a mistake by Teofimo. This is a this is a mistake. I, because during this time, it's rough without Gates, without yeah, everything. Not only that, it's the reality is okay. So if you don't fight Lomachenko, what's the next best option for you? That's going to get you paid. No, he's moving up to one forty, and nothing's getting paid. exactly. This is your best option to prove that you're one of the best in the world now, and get paid. You beat Lomachenko, you are the man, and it's going to be real hard for anybody to deny you an opportunity because you beat what is many considered the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. That money that yep. you're looking for in the back end of this Lomachenko fight, you'll get it at, against everybody else because they'll be forced to fight you. But if you don't fight Lomachenko, Lomachenko just does what he does somewhere else, and you have no options at 40, maybe you fight Jose Ramirez. But you can't tell me you're going to get the same amount of fighting Ramirez that you would fight Lomachenko. And even if you beat Ramirez, I- you're not going to get the clout that you would get fighting Lomachenko. Maybe maybe he thinks if he's the A side against Ramirez, he'll end up with more than one point two million. Yeah, see, but you gotta play the long game, man. Like if you yep. beat the best that there is and you don't get exactly what you want, but you get like one point five million, well yeah, your asking price is driving through the roof. Yeah. But if you're never getting under one point five But yet. let's also be clear. Fighting Jose Ramirez at forty, Ramirez might move up to forty seven, ain't no gimme fight either. You can fuck around and lose that fight. Yeah. Like, because you don't know how you even are at 140. Dude, Jose Ramirez is really good. I was there for the Mo Hooker fight, which was a, a 
war, and then Ramirez just he took his head off. Breaks off. Yeah, of he took his head off <laughs> at the end. Yep. But why? I don't know, man. Fighters are getting greedy. Like you haven't really proven anything. And I love you. You're 23 years old. Like, you haven't done enough to say, yeah, I deserve this to fight Lomachenko, the greatest amateur boxer of all time, and then translated it, fastest to win a world champion in the males, because Clarissa Shields is the fastest woman ever. But, dude, take the fucking fight. Get the money. Prove yourself. Because I guarantee you Lomachenko ain't sitting around waiting for you. Hell no. That's what, man, that's wild to me. You don't. You win, and then you become the A side if you want to cut weight again and go no, for you're a the rematch. The A side of everything, everything after that, especially amongst your peers. Yes, you are the man. If you ever have to fight Haney, Tank, uh, Garcia, you got to fight one of those guys. You're the A side, A side. But again, you beat Lomachenko, right? And you're big. You're a big thirty-fiver, huge. So you go to forty. We know you could probably make forty-seven. Either way. All if you become a mandatory, there's money in fighting you. So PBC, let's say it was PBC, right, or top rank, even top rank with Crawford, whoever. You become a mandatory in those weight classes against like guys like Arrow. It's not like they can just say no, I'm not going to fight you. They're fucking up good business if they don't fight you because you have Lomachenko's name on your resume. That's crazy to turn it down. You're not going to get more money out of this. Not during a fucking pandemic. Relax. I don't think so at all. Like, take it. It's a million dollars during a pandemic. Take that shit around. What's the other alternative? Nothing? Not fighting? <laughs> Taking one of these warm-up fights like everyone else? On, for what? 50000 That's ridiculous. Get your money. Yeah, I think it. Jesus. Maybe it's posturing. Maybe he's just going for 1.5 instead of 1.2. 1.6. Whatever it is. Just don't mess it but up. We ain't got time The clock is ticking. Yeah. yeah, like, you, you need to do it. Don't fuck around. Fuck around and mess up and then... It'd, it'd be a wrap. And then someone else get your opportunity. Yep. And it's, yeah, man, it's, it's crazy to think of. So let's hit this break. We'll come back. We still got plenty of UFC to talk about. Man, that was a good boxing talk. You guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, another short break. But first, we have to let you know, sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball has finally kicked off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, we are back and UFC to talk about. So... Dre, to wrap up the show, UFC, their fall slate is coming together. We're getting kind of an eye on the pay-per-view main eventers coming through to end the summer and go into the fall. Looks like September's card is going to be Adesanya versus Paulo Costa. Finally. Boracina. Finally. Yeah, I mean, that's Costa's fault. Um, I, I can't wait for that fight. Matchups make fights, right? And I, I haven't seen a a boring Boricina fight ever. No. 
You're not going to. So we're going to see Adesanya stand there and bang with him. I'm looking forward to that. Me too. I, I think that could be, you know, fight of the year caliber fight. And then we have the return of Habib Namagomedov versus Justin Gaethje. Habib's father passed away due to the Rona. You know, all regards to him and his family. I'm surprised he decided to come right back and take the October slate. Um, I'm not. It's kind of like if something happens and you go back to work because that's what you know. Sitting at home ain't going to do you any good. So... That's fair, but he worked with his father. I know, I know. You know, it's different. You know, like, you go... It's not like he can come to the U.S., go to AKA and disappear from the, you know, just the ambiance, right? Like, he's stuck in his country. He has to go to the same gym his father trained him at since he was, what, five? Yeah. That's fucking tough. You can't go to AKA and disappear and get away from it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how that's going to weigh on his psyche, but it's a huge fight. I'm glad it's getting made. Again, like, we just talked about boxing. Here, the UFC is just booking everything. Obviously, they have control over everything, so it's a lot easier, but it's a fight I want to see. I mean, we just came off of uh, Robert Whitaker and Darren Till, which was a great fight, and these are fights that people want to see. On How'd you score that? I had it for Whitaker. Okay, I had it for Till. Not bad. But it was a close fight. See, you know what's crazy yep. about this real quick? It's like nobody's screaming robbery about this fight, right? No, People are like, damn, it was a close fight. But everybody was screaming robbery about Holloway and uh, Volkanovski. And it was literally a one-round thing. It was literally the same yeah, type of fight. The third round, yeah. right? It was the exact same Same fight. type of fight. Nobody's the only robbery. But here, I mean, at that fight, people were like, no, he got robbed. The difference is, and I'll tell you the difference, it's not that... And this is what people lose track of, myself included sometimes in the moment, is that those first two Max Holloway rounds were so dominant. He dropped him in both rounds, one and two. And then three was the toss-up. I still think Max won. And then you get the cobwebs cleared, and then Max loses. But you see Max drop him twice. But Volkanovski wins. That's tough to swallow. Yeah, I mean, pe- But you have to realize that it's round by yeah, round. It's not. <laughs> and if it's not 10-8, if it's not 10-8 round, then it is what it is. Yeah, that, that's the hard part that people got to get past. It's like they, we're not grading fights based on overall. It's scored yeah. round by round. Round yeah. by round. And Max's dominant clear-cut rounds were way more dominant yeah. than Volkanovski. But it doesn't matter because those are just one yeah. round. So, at any rate, like those fights are getting made on just regular ass fight night cards, that's a, that's a good that's like Danny Garcia fighting Sean Porter right now, on just Chill, you know yeah. on a on a, a PBC on Fox card. They're not going to do that. They're going to yeah. try to make it a pay per view. The UFC just gave us a middle, former middleweight champion and a guy who fought for the welterweight title on free TV on a random ass weekend. But at last, here we are. So the UFC is uh they're loading up the card and just going back to the Adesanya Paulo Costa fight. It's like, yo man, like. That's if Adesanya wins that fight, man, his star is just gonna just go through the roof even more. I expect him to win that. Fight. I expect him to too, and it's for the same reason I always say: fluidity. It's hard yeah. to deal with someone like Adesanya who can put punches and kicks together without looking like he's trying. Like if you watch the Whitaker fight, it was like the same pattern of punches. The Whitaker tail fight. Kept trying yep. to throw that overhand right, try to throw a kick. It starts to look really robotic, and Paulo Costa's kind of that guy. He's strong as shit, though, so one punch could end the fight. But he's very muscular, and it's like everything comes from the shoulders, and it's not like 
there isn't no deception or deceptive movement in Polo no. Costa. He's just like a bulldozer trying to run you over. Like, I think Adesanya can eat that for lunch as long as he stays out of range. We, we talked about this just a little while ago in boxing. It's a lot like Ali Foreman. Yeah. Where Foreman was so telegraphed, and Ali was just fluid. Season so stopping when you know and, it's coming. Yep, bad style matchup. So And and Boratina blocks a lot of shit with his face. Yeah, look at the Romero fight. The Romero fight. Like, where it's just like, yo, he was almost out of there twice. But fought through it and then put in work. So it, that is tough. I think that's a crazy matchup. Habib Gaethje, I'm going to pick Justin Gaethje. I might have picked Justin Gaethje. It was a toss-up. Uh, I always thought you know, he was the most equipped to defeat Habib even before this, but now with the tragedy and training and not being at AKA, it, to me it's tough. I think it is the perfect storm for Habib to get tri- tripped up. It's absolutely the perfect storm. Um, I like Gaethje. Not- it's just really hard to go against Khabib. It's, you yeah. know... I mean, it's almost impossible. Did we, I don't think we talked about this. Kamayev. Do we We haven't talked about him yet. No, Holy we have not. I was just shit. about to say that. He is a mini Khabib. This, this guy... I mean, I mean, a bigger Khabib. This guy is frightening. He wins. And look, let's be clear. A lot of people are jumping the gun saying he could beat, like, Wonder Boy and all that shit. No, wait, slow down. He just got here. Yeah, he had two fights in ten days, won them both, absorbed a total of three strikes, um, and fought in two different weight classes. But... It's not just that. For those of you who didn't watch, find a way to watch this man fight. It's very Khabib-like. He grabs them, he sucks them in, and then the, the, he literally destroys them on the ground. That was frightening what he did. And if I went and watched some other shit with him, and there was a fight where he was struggling to get a takedown. I can't. It was like a regional fight. Well, granted, regional fighters aren't all that great, but he was having a hard time taking the guy down. He just went and knocked him out. <laughs> he's like, yo, I'm yeah, tired like, of playing yo, this guy. He's doing everything right. He's already talking about uh, how he was looking to, to beat up Conor McGregor for what he said about Khabib. He, and he's just talking shit about the entire division. This guy is prepped to be a star. He's going to fight in August in, in Vegas. That's going to happen. August 15th. Crazy. So uh, we're looking at a potential star. When we talk about Khabib, yo, every so often a different country has a run. Brazil had their run. It looks like we might be having this Eastern European run. Because, you know, uh, between Khabib, Kamaev, um, uh, who else am I thinking about? Abe Lincoln? Yeah, dude. Uh, what is his name? Magnus Shapirov, we got... Uh, it looks like Abe Lincoln. I know. Why can't I think right now? Uh, I would think. He's going to get the title shot at 135. Oh, my God. I can't... Oh, my God. I drew, I drew a blank. It is horrible. Um... I don't know. But no, I get I get what you're going. Like it's crazy just the wealth of talent that is coming from there right now. Like it's wild to think that no one has solved this puzzle. Cuz let's be real, there there's a puzzle right now. It's a beat. Yes. Manny Shapiro, I did say that. But I was thinking about somebody else. Um but yeah, it's a beat Manny Shapiro. But yeah, but they are all kind of in the same mold of fighters that nobody's been able to figure out. Their wrestling and grappling is ridiculous. The top control is crazy. And they're really hard to beat. Those guys are problems. Now, how do you solve that puzzle? Because we see it's not just them. It's the style that they bring. Yeah. That makes them so tough to stop. You just can't let them get their hands on you. Like, that's really, 
like we saw when Khabib fought Michael Johnson, and granted, Khabib got, just got better, but Michael Johnson was piecing him up. That's Gaethje's best chance. You have to win the fight on the feet before it gets anywhere near the ground. If it's on the ground, you're just not going to win. It's like you can't even train to be on the ground. Because how do you how do you get how do you beat a guy who wrestles bears? You just don't. No, you definitely don't go to the ground with a guy. No, nah, you bears. stay at a distance. You throw everything you got at him, and then you hope for the best. You hope that one of them shits connects and puts him to sleep. Otherwise, you just you know you tell your corner it's like, hey, if he gets me on the ground, just throw in the towel. Yeah, you take you take yeah. it. That's all you can do. You take the punishment, yeah. and, you, and you like it, and you think about the paycheck. Which isn't going to be great, but you think about the paycheck you're going to get yeah. after, because you're, you're signing up to take an ass whooping. Um, let's preview this weekend's fight. So we have in the headliner um, Brunson versus the Golden Boy. Oh, Brunson's about to get his ass whooped. <laughs> Derek Brunson's been taking ass whoopings for Look, a hot man, second. Right? Derek Brunson came out, talked all that shit about Adesanya, and got worked. <laughs> so. Quick, fast. Edmund Shabazzian is going to destroy him, in my opinion. But Brunson is also the type of guy that can be derail hype trains. So, you know. It's fair, but Shabazzian, 22. Yeah. I, and just. Look, man. I, I just don't see Derek Brunson being able to beat this guy. I just don't. I don't. I think it'll be a, I I don't it'll be a stoppage. Um, I agree. I think there's a lot of good action on this it's car. pretty good car. Calderwood is coming back with Jennifer Maya. I think Calderwood is going to show she out. She has to. She passed up on it. This is weird. She kind of sort of passed up on a title shot for this fight to stay busy. She, she was in line to fight Shevchenko. But I would take the Maya fight as well. <laughs> I'd just be like, yo, yeah, yeah, I'll take the other fight. Who, who you want me to fight? Nah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> I know, but time yeah, for that. I could get knocked out <laughs> at a later date, okay? But I need yeah. to collect this check and keep winning. Jesus. Um, we have Lando Venata versus Bobby Green. That'll be a fun fight. I mean, it's gonna be no defense. No, it never is. It's just striking. So that's gonna be good. So I, I like this card. Nice little fun card. None, you know, nothing crazy. Just something light. Um, Ray Borg is fighting super early on here. I didn't even know Ray Borg was still fighting. Yeah, man. Big featherweight. I mean, big flyweight has to fight at bantamweight now. He's too big. Bantamweight. Too big. Yeah, like damn shame. I feel like, um, flyweights there for the taking. Hence. We see Cody Garbrandt, like we mentioned on the show not too long ago, saying that he's willing to go down. I mean, if you, look, man, if you really... There's no one else. really not. If it's, if it's going to get you a title fight, I just always feel that these guys should at least take one fight just to see what it's like making weight that week. Because that, that's the hard part. You don't want to go in there and that's fight fair. somebody who's routinely fighting at flyweight, and here you come with your fat ass, and you barely make weight, and you get pieced up, TJ Dillashaw. I mean, to be fair, you're coming... Off of a fight, you'd be going into a fight with a champion who just misweighed his damn self. Very true, very true. But I just think I'd like to see guard like, like fighting the most disciplined. His flyweight is so tiny; they're little people. Garbrandt says he walks at one forty-five. Yeah, okay, we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I think that's a great fight. It though, is because you're standing and banging. It is. In a good way, you know, if Cody wants his hands on a belt, double champ, I, I like that. So there's a lot of good co-main matchups coming up this fall as well. We touched on a fight card for this week. Dre, I think that is it for this show. We are almost at two hours again. That will put us at almost two two-hour shows this week. Yeah. Woo! We are machines. 
Thank you guys for listening to all of this content. We appreciate you. Make sure you guys follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter. On Instagram, we are now Corner Club for Life. Follow me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hell as well. Shout out to sponsors. Shout out to Blue Wire, the network. We appreciate all you guys. Stay safe. Stay away from the Rona. Till next week, we're out. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.